0: So when I presented last year at uh, the conference, um, when I got to this slide, my work together in concert and so this year I decided I'm going to go into much more depth about that practice so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you a little bit about why it's important Uh, I'm going to go and give you a framework for how to use it yourself in terms of uh, how to apply and make decisions about which projects to take on and then I'm going to present to you a case study uh, which actually shows how we put these principles into practice Uh, I'm going to Yorker I'm going to talk fast uh, but. the Uh, So let's talk talk about the best thing about lean. So we've been at this for a long time. And clearly the best thing about lean is that everything can be tested, right? All the best ideas rise from the top. Um, It is cool for a senior executive or a junior, like the most universal company. They're on equal footing. And you get this crazy dopamine rush every time an experiment goes your way, right? And when it goes your way, you're like the smartest people in the world. You feel like you've cracked the code and you're finally going to make it. and that's great, What won't be better feeling. Uh, which brings me to the worst part of it. Uh, which is also that everything can be experimented. Uh, and when you've been using what basically happens is very often uh, the experimentation becomes a crutch, and it becomes a tool to substitute judgment. And that's a problem. Now let me tell you a little bit about that by way of example. So um, it's cool to fail, right? So now the lead, the one the, we've all come to understand that, that it's not a big deal to fail. We're hundred people now, we're going to be 130 by the end of next year, a lead engineer or the new receptionist, they will all go through an arrangement, and in that, I'll walk them through five or six experiments. to run up to hurdles and they're trying to leap over them, and he's credited with being able to, the first person to be able to take it into the stride. And what he was able to do is by just changing that slight technique, he didn't reinvent running like, these, like he kind of did, he didn't reinvent the sport, um, but he just had a slight modification that created his breakthrough and win for him. Uh, he was able to go on and be the first person to win four gold medals, medals in the Olympics. So again, a small change can lead to a huge difference on a breakthrough level. You straighten of these together. And you can get massive breakthroughs, right? So these are the, you have know, your earth changing, your world changing uh, winds on the way. There's three kinds of ways that all the experiments are generally going to fall into one of those buckets, unless they're a failure, of course. Um, and so how do you tell them apart at the beginning? How do you think about them? The way that I've come to learn to think about them is uh, using a framework that Hunter Walk taught us by Tommy. And uh, he gave me a talk and meet up a little while back, and in it he presented the Bank for Buck matrix. Uh, and here, you basically look at the magnitude of the potential payoff, and you compare that on the, mag- on the magnitude of the effort that's involved. You don't have crystal balls, so you're just guessing. You really don't know how much effort it's really going to take, and you really don't know how much payoff you're really going to get, but you're going to make a guess. You take all the projects you could be working on, and you sort of rank them this way. So clearly everything that's going to be a a big win, and it's going to require very little effort, is going to start. You're going to do as much of these as you possibly can. All right, and conversely, you want to stay away from projects that have the opposite characteristics. Which leaves the question as to what do we do with the remaining two buckets? Now, I used to be indifferent between these two. Uh, so, you know, 10 small wins should equal one big win, right? What's the big deal? Um, in fact, I was wrong. Uh, and what often happens, especially in software, is that these small wins that that require a little effort, very often end up requiring a lot more than a little effort. And when that happens, those small wins actually just become young. Um And what they look more like to me is jumps. They give you that kind of great little high, that good feeling, I just you know, flew to New York, or New York. I went to the internet as soon as I possibly could, uh, and boy was I sorry. That's the feeling I have after everyone went of these experiments. Uh, and the, really the place where you're going to want to invest all your time and effort after you've had the opportunity to exhaust all of the things you up front are guessing or starters are your worth. But, of course, it's not a linear process. Uh, It goes through many. Well yeah, I had a brainstorm one night with our lead So before your service item is a little more fun, it says what's your name, what kind of meetup you want to start, let's say we want to start an outdoors one. So you get a nice little photo and the experience then unfolds in a way that's really tied to to that category. Pretty exciting, so let's say we want it to be about backpacking and great outdoors. We're going to test up to 2,000 things this year. Uh, everything that is uh, user facing will get tested at different stages of the development cycle. Uh, we'll test five days a week, um, Monday through Friday, um, and we will test up without having any clue about what we're testing. So we set up the test where are going to have every single day of the week, we will just know that there are going to be people that are going to show up at our door, and they're going to be there to, be tests, to, to test stuff that we're building. Um, and because we know that, that gives us the flexibility that when we have whatever we're working on, we can pause and just drop it in the testing throughout the day. Uh, We recruit the Craigslist, and then anyone in the company can have anything tested. So that uh, lead engineer for the receptionist, anyone can have anything tested, both on Meetup, and maybe just if you want to have uh, something tested on some new app and you think it's kind of cool, you can also do that. That has nothing to do with meetup if you want to learn. And then we follow up with sessions and notes. Uh, we've done now probably somewhere between two and 3,000 hours of testing, uh, we have a lot of video stored and we've probably watched all of 30 minutes of it, uh, but we do it anyways because we feel like we have uh, So the whole thing costs about as much as two outsourced usability sessions, or usability studies, it's incredibly expensive even at this scale. Uh, here's how it looks. So. Uh, in front of a computer together, before the test, our moderator will fire up GoToMeeting, uh, and send out an email to the team of people who are working on whatever projects. So let's say there's that project there, the uh, you know, creative flow. They'll send out an email. can ask questions directly to the subject um, that the drop Here's an example of that of- In uh, and we do that because it's something that we've been talking about for years. But I can't be up on stage and not show this slide. It's my favorite slide ever. Uh, it's a mountain bich bias, right? Which is the tendency to believe that everyone uses technology the way you do. So if you have an iPhone, you can't understand that Android is actually the most popular operating system uh, in the world. If you use Gmail, every conversation is threaded. If you've never clicked on an ad, you can't believe that anyone does, I'll let alone that it's a billion dollars. Uh, and the cure for the malpractice bias is simply watching people use the stuff you build. Um, that's why we invest a relatively modest sum, but it has a disproportionate impact on the company. It's super easy to do. You can do it yourself. I can give an hour-long presentation on it, but I already have. You can just a link to it, to it here. Uh, so that's the usability portion. That's what we do at the end of usability. So let's take our, resume our story over here. <coughs> All right, so we have the user test. We some users come in. We have them go through this flow. What do you think happens? Uh, wrong. Actually, they, they, they well, you were right and wrong. So they were thoroughly they were confused on step one. They don't know why they needed to put their name. And they were stuck on step two. They couldn't figure out how the category system worked. But uh, as you said, they did love the way it unfolded. And so uh, we saw this consistently over two or three tests. And we said, all right, well, let's just go back to the drawing board and say, this is not, uh, this whole category thing, the original concept, is a fail. But the way that our so, what if we iterated on it? So we iterated on it, and it basically ended up looking a lot more like this, where you can start basically, it looks like this, you start to group, you tell them what it's called, where is it, then you select just replaced step one with a new experience and then dropped you back on this ugly old experience, we should still see a win. So we tested that for Out the exact, uh, something similar with the mobile experience. Um, so, that, that's how we think about those big ones. That's how we're going. Um, we don't totally write off the small wins, though. So, be of the small wins. Um, kind of a little bit of advice I really feel like I need to share. So, if you hear someone justify a project, by virtue of the amount of time it's going to take to execute that project, that it's only going to take a day or two, you should be wary. That is probably something that's not going to be worth doing. Uh, if you hear somebody say, we got a 12% lift in adoption from this flow, um, you should ask, well, what's that represent in an adoption overall? Is that actually a meaningful win to that 12% overall, or is that actually 12 percent in the big picture? Um, and if you're going to do the small wins, we'll focus on the, as Reid Hoffman was talking about earlier, focus on your key vital metrics. Design things in a way that they're super low-cost. And the way we're thinking about these like, low-cost, uh, experiments and we've been designing something called Split Test Bandit. And what it does is it allows us to um, take really small potential wins into small things like the subject line. And rather than have a team of people be devoted to swapping in and swapping out subject lines, we'll load up 30 different subject lines, for example, uh, and we'll run them in a Split Test Bandit uh, where each one of them will get, a turn, get several turns at being tested. Um, and what will happen is, is that basically But this is an example of three three different emails that are being tested. Um, But basically what happens is that the system will keep sending and will test everything equally. But as one begins to show that it's better than the others, it will automatically get more weight. And people will start sending more and more, as the the system will automatically start sending more and more uh, of that test case to people. Uh, Eventually still testing the other ones, but making sure that the the thing that's winning actually goes. What that allows us to do is make sure that we're not devoting tons of human energy debating uh, and doing human intervention, which sucks up all of the value. Um, so again, like our usability program, it's all about how do you make it so that it's as low cost as possible to run these experiments, and if the ongoing incremental cost of running a test is very low, then it's super easy to do, and then it's justified. So in conclusion, you know the big lessons learned here in validating vision is go after your big wins uh, with systematic.